Hello and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode 59. Let's roll. And I am so sorry. I was I was absent last week. You guys missed the show. Um, you know, I missed the show. I missed doing it. My daughter, seven-year-old daughter was like, dad, you have to do the show. I was sick and whatnot and all sorts of nonsense going on. And, and, uh, she's like, you got to do it for the people. So I appreciate my little girl recognizing that it is for the people and, uh, and understand what it's all about, man. I, I am so grateful to all of you. Some people were reaching out to me on Twitter, like sending me the, uh, the Dave Chappelle crackhead, uh, you know, meme, you know, being like, where's my podcast at? So I really appreciated all of that. That was super, super cool. And, and, and I love y'all. I got some texts from friends. It was really cool. So that was the first show I'd missed in a long time. And the fact that y'all care is kind of just awesome. So shout out to all you people who, who listen every week and, and, uh, and just, you know, keep me going, to be honest. I mean, you know, this is, this is really, if nobody gave a shit, I, I would stop doing it, I guess. I just talked to my friends on the phone about it, but you guys love it. I love it. And, uh, you know, speaking of friends on the phone, that's what this one's going to be a lot like, because, you know, the guy I have on today is a, a guy that I've known since I really broke into this space. He, he was actually, you know, a, a real OG member of the undroppables. Uh, he has his own thing going and has kind of, you know, speared off to do that. And, 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 but we're still brothers from the beginning. Um, Dan Brown joins me today. Dan Brown can be found on Twitter at, at Dan Brown NFL. Uh, Dan is, uh, you know, sons of dynasty and, uh, what a cool name. Of course, they got all the cool, like, graphics and skulls and shit like that so their gear is super super awesome so if you don't follow sons of dynasty and you don't follow dan brown already you should be uh dan has been doing a a a lot of stuff with dynasty aka sons of dynasty so he's an og dynasty guy 25 dynasty leagues all that but he's been doing a lot of dfs stuff so we're going to touch on weekly and all sorts of cool stuff it's going to be an outstanding show so without further ado i want to introduce and bring on my very very good friend my brother, Dan Brown. What's going on, Dan? What's going on, Jax? What an introduction, my man. I mean, I feel like the people, they, they know me at this point. You know, mi casa es su casa. I am glad to be here with you this evening talking anything and everything NFL, uh, whether whether it be Dynasty or DFS, which you mentioned I have been getting into more more so this year uh, and, and have launched the, the podcast SODFS. Uh, brought to you by Sons of Dynasty. So make sure you check that out. It's live every Thursday night at 9 o'clock there on the TNFF Network on YouTube and, and there on Twitter as well. But do appreciate you allowing me to be a part of your bounce back episode here tonight coming off of a bye week yourself. Uh, I'm really excited to see what the coaches have drawn up with their extended time off and, and a little bit of extra rest can really go a long way. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping you're going to bring the heat tonight. Hey Dan, you damn right they they uh they got to know you because uh they that you're part of the family, brother. I mean, you and I go a long way back and and I, and I really appreciate you coming on the show, but you know, um I think people want to hear us talk about football, not wax poetic about each other, but yeah, bro, you're you're my homie. Appreciate that, man. I'm 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 really pumped up to talk a little football here with you this evening. Um, like you mentioned, we do go way back and finally getting a chance to sit down and, and, and lay some tape down here is, is going to be pretty enticing. 
hey, the pre-show is pretty dope too. I mean, we, we'd been going for a little longer than we thought, uh, maybe even a little longer than we wanted because we forgot to start recording for a while and we, we've been doing we've been doing show after show here today. This is like our third show tonight, am I right? Yeah, exactly. But I, I do want to start someplace where I think, you know, um, uh, we're seeing some, some alarm bells go off and that's in Kansas City. You know, the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, you know, it's funny, they're, you know, we're all we're all writing them off. They're three and four. I mean, it's not that bad, but my gosh, I mean, for them to score three points against the Tennessee uh, Tennessee team that, you know, uh, felt like a get right game, as you put it, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, man, the, 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 there's a lot of questions and a lot of concerns. Yeah, no, absolutely. The, uh, the, the offense isn't the offense that, that we've grown, grown to love over the past couple of seasons. And that's Pat Mahomes coming up and putting 350 and three or four touchdowns uh, through the air because, because that's what he's capable of. And, and this year, you know, the, the ball just hasn't really bounced his way between the offensive line woes, the loss of the run game with Clyde Edwards Alaire that was already suspect coming into the year and, and the fumbles that, that followed in the first couple of weeks. So it was just kind of a recipe for disaster. But yeah, like we said, this past this past one was a real head scratcher. It felt like it was a great matchup. Everything on paper said Pat Mahomes was going to come out here and put up a Pat Mahomes performance. And, and the Titans come out and absolutely shut it down. Uh, you know, it, turnover ha- have been a real problem for Mahomes the last few games at this point. And I think he knows that. But as we mentioned, them just trying to really – you know, put, get into that catch-up mode. Pat Mahomes kind of feels the pressure, and it started early this past week, and he was never really able to gain his composure and, and get the offense into a groove that we that we have come to love over the last couple seasons. But I, th- I think better days are definitely ahead for this offense and any of the big three in Pat Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, or Travis Kelsey. If anybody is, is starting to, to become a non-believer in this Chiefs offense, take advantage of that opportunity. And, and send some trade offers out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's funny though. They're, they're you know, the, it's like people were wondering if the NFL was going to figure out Lamar Jackson, and it's more like the NFL has figured out Mahomes to Hill, which is of course too deep safety. You know, I mean, this they're playing. It, every team is sort of playing them the same way. They're they're making them play small ball. You know, they're not letting them beat them over the top. They're just not letting Tyreek Hill win that way. Tyreek Hill, lowest uh, yards per catch and I think his career right now. I'm not looking at it, but I think it was down to like 14 where he should be, you know, well above, you know, 18 when he's rolling, right? Um, and so for, for Tyreek to not be taking the lid off all the time, that really slows him down because – you know they're just going to run a big play and and just catch you right and 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 having Tyreek press them press them press them and then all of a sudden you know Kelsey underneath and then the running game but I think the biggest issue here is the offensive line because you know to have time to go down the field you do have to have quote unquote time and they don't have it and you know Orlando Brown's getting you know turnstiled over on the left side they thought that was going to be the 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 answer you know Tooney's been great of course because he's a patriot but you know he's probably a little bit better in the running game than the passing game uh but of course he's their best offensive line but they're paying him that way too and 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 even you know his uh you know, exploits can't save this offensive line. They are not good. Uh, they got the rookie up front who I thought was going to be great. I really thought, you know, this uh, this offensive line was going to be a strength, not a liability, but it's proven to be a liability. Um, I saw crazy Phil Sims, or excuse me, Chris Sims say that, you know, uh, Pat needs to learn how to play better in the pocket. 
while Chris is getting a little bit of clickbaity there with that, he's not wrong. I mean, but you know, if the pocket isn't there, it's hard to play inside of it. If it's you know collapsing on him all the time, so I think I think Mahomes is pressing, and I think that that's because he knows his defense sucks. I think it's because he knows that they're playing you know uh, this sort of two deep safety look that takes away the big you know the big play to Hill. I think he knows his offensive line sucks. I think he knows all these things. And he's trying to compensate, and he's he's throwing a lot of danger balls. They're getting picked off. At some point or another, they kind of have to just get together as a team and be like, we need to play tougher because they're not tough on defense. They're not tough on offense. You know, they don't push anybody out of the way ever. You know, they're when they run the ball, it's like, eh, you know, a little – Little dink and dunk runs. As you point out, Clyde, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire certainly was not seemingly the solution. He was good, maybe adequate to, to good somewhere in there, but he wasn't great. He wasn't very good. So I think all that being put together, not having a, another weapon on the other side of, of Hill and Kelsey, all these things sort of together have created Mahomes pressing way too hard and the defense giving up way too much, and, and it's just sort of snowballing on them. Uh, I'd like to get your take though on Mahomes, you know, as a as a dynasty asset. I know that you've been looking at him week to week, and probably every week you're like, yeah, I'm, especially last week was the week to play him. But as a dynasty asset, has he fallen outside of your QB one? Uh, simply said, it has he. No, no, I still do have Mahomes as my QB1, and, and the whispers have grown louder as far as him falling down, as far as two, three, maybe even four in some cases. And I'm I'm not going to sit here and throw the book at anybody for having a, a difference of opinion when it when it comes to the long haul of Dynasty, but you know just just the sheer talent that we know Mahomes is capable of, mixed in with with the offense and the playmakers that he currently has around him. There's just nothing. Nothing has happened in, in this short window of this 2021 season that has, has done enough for me to want to fade Mahomes for the long haul in, in any measure. That's that's fair. I mean, you know, it's funny because, like, we asked it, uh, a couple weeks ago um, on the show, and, you know, we did, like, a little uh, back-and-forth draft, me and Kevin Du Bois and, uh, and uh, Kevin Coleman, who's, you know, just Du Bois for me, but everybody knows him that way. Um, but, <clears throat> you know, when I started with, like, Mahomes and, you know, I had the 101, and, you know, when you look at Kyler, you look at Josh Allen, you look at these other players, you're like, they're pretty tempting. Uh, but I think I'm with you. I think I'm holding steady, but I actually think I'd probably be fine trading back and getting whatever's there at four, whereas before it was kind of like you'd almost trade up from four to make sure you get Mahomes. So the tides are turning, and and they've got to fix some shit there because otherwise it's a big problem. In terms of CEH, you buying that 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 mess, or you think that maybe uh, yeah, you know, no, that, I, that shit I, may be I, a little bust? I still have some interest in buying if the price is right, obviously. But, you know, it, it's just one of those guys that people spent, spent up so Always. much for him just because, because of the story we told ourselves about how he was going to be the final piece of this prolific offense and was going to, what's going to, you know, generate all these, uh, these really valuable touches being a part of this backfield and it just never really came together. And I'm not saying that, that he can't have any value moving forward. I think he could have a value and that, that story that we just painted is, is yeah. part of what could be still, but you know, just injuries and, and lack of production through his first, uh, you know, run here in the NFL has, is really just kind of you know got got my attention at this point you know lowered lowered down enough to where I'd only really be interested if I was going to get him in some sort of a deal. 
Well, I mean, the the problem for the Kansas City Chiefs was, you know, on draft night they they picked late because they had like uh, they were like thirty second or something like that. They were like way back in the draft, and what the problem was is guys like uh, DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor had get taken just before their pick, and they didn't have access to those types of backs, so they had no choice but to settle for C. Wait, what? Oh, I'm hearing in my earpiece. That's not true. That's not true. I was about to make a mistake there, but no, it turns out they chose CEH over Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift. Uh, Look, everybody knows I famously had Jonathan Taylor as the 1.01 in that draft, but I also on draft night said that the best pick for the Kansas City Chiefs was DeAndre Swift, and I think that is without a shadow of a doubt the truth. Absolutely. I mean, Swift has been nothing short of spectacular this season and his limited run that he did get uh, last year as well. And, you know, he's doing all this, no doubt, on on a Detroit Lions offense that, that's bottom five in the league right now, uh, you know, but constantly in chasing game scripts that, that's allowing him to really feast and, and get those lucrative touches in, in the receiving game there. Um, so, you know, I, I would have – Swift could have really changed the tides for this offense. Oh, what could have been. But we can talk about that for for, for every player, every year. Uh, there's always some big whiffs, and this was a big one for the Kansas City Chiefs. No doubt. I mean, you know, the, every, you know, I know you're a dynasty player, and there's different types of dynasty players for sure. And, you know, I'm certainly one of these dynasty players that sort of hangs his hat on player eval a little bit coming from college to the NFL. I famously wrote the anatomy series that kind of, you know, tries to understand what these players look like and et cetera, et cetera. You know, I've, I've spent a lot of time. I'm a draft Nick. All that stuff is of interest to me. So it's kind of my wheelhouse. Uh, I don't know if it's your, your wheelhouse. I mean, I know a lot of guys don't even – fucking make rookie picks they just trade those things for like two and three years uh players so they can just you know dominate that way which is not stupid also a good way to play dynasty but you know if you i mean did you have i mean did you have a a a solid uh pre-draft you know uh calculus on these players and did you have ceh above swift at all as a player no, I had I had Swift uh, as my RB one early yeah. early in into the you know off season, and then JT ended up kind of move, moving his way up the ranks a- after the, the combine, and, and we got a little bit more information. Uh, but you know, I, I was really high on Swift. You know, being at the University of Georgia, me being on the East Coast here in Georgia, uh, Swift was on my radar. Uh, for for a long time before it even got to that process, and I remained high on him and still am. Uh, I think I have him as a top six dynasty running back at this time. Uh, but I really need to update my ranks. Like I said, diving into the DFS uh, market really heavy this season, my dynasty ranks are probably due for an update. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, I definitely keep my dynasty ranks uh, as 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 you know, fresh as possible, but I still have DeAndre Swift as a top five running back. I mean, you know, there's no doubt at this particular point, you know, I think there's it. I was having a chat with Chalk. Everybody knows Chalk. And I was having a chat with Chalk in the group chat today about, you know, I acquired another uh, share of CMC today, um, you know, and just a delicious trade. I mean, it was just, just huge craziness. I loved it. It was fun as hell. Made a great trade today. I'll tell you all about it in a second. But, you know, I, was, I acquired CMC. I had acquired him recently in the Dynasty Game Theory uh, Invitational in a, in a very sexy three-way trade. 
Ooh, everybody loves a three-way. So I had a three-way trade with uh, Felix Sharp and Pat Fitzmorris, which was really, really cool too. Again, where I uh, acquired uh, CMC. And in these opportunities where I'm acquiring CMC, I sort of said to, I said to Chalk, he said, I'm trying to trade CMC where I've got him for Swift plus. And I'm like, how's that going? Like, I bet it's harder to acquire DeAndre Swift right now than it is to acquire CMC. I mean, DeAndre Swift is the hotness right now. And CMC, everybody's got a little bit of an excuse or a story or a, he's fragile now. Everybody's scared of his ass. Um, you know, I, I feel like I'm buying that dip and who knows, I may be crazy for doing so, but he feels like he's coming at a discount right now. And for that, I'm going to take a, take that discount. Yeah. Uh, we talked about this, uh, you know, shortly before this season kicked off, but you know, as we alluded to with the, the quarterbacks kind of getting up there and, and kind of getting up to the Pat Mahomes level three or four of them at this point, the the running back tide uh, is really going to see a huge changeover at, at the end of this year. In particular, uh, the guys like CMC, Barkley, Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott, those guys are all going to be kind of getting to that range now where, you know, yes, if you're a bona fide contender, these guys still have true value value but if you're not it's time to shop and so i think in startup drafts you're going to start seeing those guys get moved behind the the deandre swifts and definitely the jt the Najee harris these guys i mean we're getting sharper and sharper in the dynasty game you you know people aren't 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 as as vulnerable as they used to be when it comes to selecting players with the age cliff approaching so uh, a a tide change is definitely rolling in this season and if if you need to take this time to really look at your teams we're this far into this year that you really know kind of where you're heading which which direction your team is going and and if you have some of these guys this might be an ideal time to look to maybe shop some of those names that I mentioned that could find themselves tumbling down in value here very quickly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're a Derrick Henry team and <clears throat> excuse me, and you have no chance at a title because, you know, you just look and go, I don't, then Derrick Henry's the sell of the lifetime. But I've bought him as well, you know, and I, I may have gotten a little uh, too aggressive in my purchase. I, I, I made a, a, a purchase of CMC and Derrick Henry in the same league and just kind of hoping that it, that it goes. But here's the thing, like when you make when you when you when you invest in players like that, they're basically not going to be worth nothing ever. Like, I mean, unless they die or, you know, I mean, like, it's like, you know, the, the, the Todd Gurley situation is rare. I mean, usually there's the slow decline, you know, at at least, you know, even me buying like right now, like part of my strategy is like it's week seven. I, I sort of made those purchases. I'm looking for a stretch run here. I bought from a team that that's in a rebuild. I try and buy early on, on that team that's rebuilding. I go ahead and see if I can push to the playoffs. If I'm getting near the playoffs, I play in a lot of leagues with no um, no uh, trade deadline. So I mean, even if you get into the playoffs and you get bounced, shit, you can trade them then. I mean, if there's no trade, if there's no trade deadline, you know that's a hell of a yeah, time oh. when the money's on the line to sell that guy. So I mean, I know when there is and isn't a trade deadline. When there isn't, I'm okay holding Derrick Henry into the playoffs. So. You know, because that's when he's gonna. I'm like, hey, bro. Yeah, like I don't even know who he plays, but you know, it's probably some shitty Jacksonville, Indianapolis team that he's gonna run all over, like at some point. And you're just like, you know, do you want Derrick Henry to win the title? 
and then you can keep them next year. So fucking pay up, bro. And so at that point, you know, you can do that. So it's okay to, you know, to buy even a little frivolously knowing that you can sell the same type of way. And if you lose a little bit of value in that, okay. But what if you gain a little bit of value? Okay. So either way, you're fine, you know? So anyway, I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, no, absolutely. The 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 running back market is just, is constantly evolving, constantly changing, and I am constantly looking to sell running backs whenever I can. Uh, you know, if like I mentioned, if I'm not a true contender, uh, there's a good chance that I, I don't have a top twenty four running back on my roster uh, because I, you know, the, that's just a chance for me to be able to lose value, and if I do. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll have a plethora uh, of these Elijah Mitchells, if you will, you know, filling up my bench. And, and as soon as they get to the point where Elijah Mitchell right now is still a little early, but another week or two away from me moving several Elijah Mitchell shares that I have, just because of, of the nature of the San Fran running back situation. I, I, I think what I invested in him this offseason, which was, you know, late fourth round rookie capital. Uh, you know, what you watched all these suckers, uh, you know, draft Trey Sermon at the beginning of the second round. And I, you know, I, I don't think I drafted Trey Sermon one time, but I ended up with about seven or eight Elijah Mitchell shares. And, and, and here we are. And the tides have turned. And Elijah Mitchell, even at this point, you're making a good profit. You can move him for a second pretty much at this time, uh, you know, but he's one or two really big weeks away from you getting a late first for what, what was a fourth round rookie pick so you know get ready to cash in on those chips if you invested like i did this past season yeah absolutely i mean it's really like you know you can sell anything when you're not winning it doesn't have to like he's a young player and a player in an offense like you would think why are you selling elijah mitchell like why not like you know i'm gonna uh, you know i just want to put everything in yeah exactly exactly right exactly right i mean put everything in there return on investment someone asked me on twitter you know, is uh, is Brandon Ayuk worth? A, if I got a twenty-two first, should I sell late twenty-two first? And I was like, yeah, fucking sell him. And I put that. You know, um, that's a profitable move. You know, you didn't buy him for a first. And someone else said, well, yeah, but you could have sold him for more before a first plus. And I was like, well, so what? So so what? That's still a profit. Like at least you're yeah, now. You, if you're, you might, yeah. You might be holding the next Dante Pettis. Right. So, you know, a late first at this point, you know, if you want to you mitigate that risk, because we, we've seen this exact scenario pan out and it didn't go well for, for others. So if you want to mitigate that risk, I think a late first at this point for IOU is, is a smash for myself. And I'll, I'll gladly take that. Absolutely. And I'm not, that's not us saying Dan Brown and Scott Belanger aren't saying, Oh, there's no chance Ayuk ever regains a value higher than that. That's not at all what we're saying. Not even a little bit. It's just saying that's a good sell because within a year or two, you now have some very uh, real uncertainty uh, surrounding you. And yeah, we've seen the ceiling. We kind of understand what that looks like. But I think everybody's going to be a little bit gun shy. And if you find the guy in your league that's like, you know, brazenly throwing out a first rounder for him, then let him let him have him. Let him hold the bag for a while, and you can hold the first round pick. And if you have your first round pick and another first round pick, maybe you can trade two first round picks for a DJ Moore or someone that's actually really good or whatever. I'm making this up, you know, but you know, maybe you can package something else, and you know, you can start to use that pick plus another player. I mean, I think the I think that that first round pick is more valuable to most teams than Brandon Ayuk. 
So put it in the iron bank, and then you can use that capital to get other things that are better for your team. You don't even have to necessarily make that pick in 22, a late 22, whatever that late late means. I mean, who knows? That team could fucking lose all his players. I mean, injuries hit all the time. It could be a a, a low to mid first, and all of a sudden you've got you know a quarterback staring you in the face, and you can trade that. I mean, so much can happen, and that value bubble that you're trying to take advantage of is what you're trying to do. It has nothing to do with pr- player eval, because I think we all kind of think that Brandon Ayuk is probably good. But that doesn't fucking even matter what we think. It just matters what you, you know, how how your team ends up at the end of it all. Yeah, no, I mean, I I, I still do believe that Ayuk is capable of, of producing. You know, not not what we saw this past year, but again, this is the San Fran offense. You know that that really leans on the run game, and while that does open up efficient passing opportunities and and yak ability. Um, you know, it, it's no guarantee in this offense, you know, even as well as Debo Samuel, he, he's looked, he's looked great this year. I, I got a lot of discount Debo Samuel, if you will, this, this past off season and he's looked great, but I'm probably looking to maybe move some of those shares as well as at this time, just with the quarterback situation. And, and, and you know, what do we have long-term here with, with Trey Lance and what does that do for Debo? I just think with the production that we have seen out of him and, and the volume that he has gotten, you know, once again, go back to ROI and, and what you were able to get him for this past off season and, you know, post his injury. And we really kind of saw his, his value take a huge dip and the emergence of IU just really submarine Debo's value even further. Yes. Um, so, you know, it, capitalizing on, on that swing this off season paid dividends for me in, in redraft leagues and, and dynasty to boot. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I had a lot of Debo, from last year and I didn't invest as well in this offseason. I felt really bad about it when when he went off and started to dominate because I fucking love Debo. I really do. And and you know, there's all these lessons. So you know, I think Dynasty Game Theory 101 pro tip right here is like I don't know, like learn from where you like cuz if I, if this was me learning. My learning process was I fucking love Debo. I thought he was awesome. I think he's a real stud. I think he's an unbelievable football player. I love everything about him. I think he's just tough as nails. You know, he's a good skilled wide receiver, but he's able to run the football, jet sweeps. He's got great yak ability. Like, you know, he can make a lot out of a little. And yet, even though I had this really good, you know, uh, evaluation of him as a player, this offseason, I got swayed a little bit. I got swayed by the, you know, the reception perception, which is not a bad thing. I'm not dissing on Matt Harmon. I'm just saying, like, you know, everybody was saying how good this Ayuk is. And I'm in a startup draft with these experts. And Ayuk goes, like, I don't remember. I'll look it up. He went fucking early. And that dude is killing him. So I don't remember who it was. Nobody roasted him when he picked him. No, nope. I mean, I thought it was a little high. But, like, whatever. I wasn't, like. What an idiot. I was like, well, a little high for you, Ayuk, but you know, maybe everybody else is seeing this sort of ascendance too. And so we all got swept up in that. And then you, apparently, and some others, but I should have, you know, been arbitrage play of, of Debo Samuel. And so remember to sort of remember these moments where the tides turn in one direction and, and you think it's going to be one thing, but you know, sometimes it's good to bet against the masses. It's almost always good to bet against the masses. Yeah, definitely, and, and it's proved very advantageous thus far. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, uh, two on one, Tommy. Oh yeah, my boy. 
Well, he he Good did point. he did his uh, he did his redraft league again this year. I took I took down the the championship last year, so I was the one guy that got to return uh, this year. Ended up drawing the one hundred one. Uh, I, I took McCaffrey, which didn't didn't work out too well for me. Um, but I, in that league, I drafted Debo Samuel and uh, got him at the end of the sixth round. Yeah, so, so good. So good. Uh, Speak, speaking, of, easy. speaking of teams and things that were slept on this offseason, are the Cincinnati Bengals for real? Who day? Who day Bengals, baby? Are they for real? I mean, they they are are looking the part. Just what they're capable of from from an offensive perspective. Um, you know, this this past offseason, they they spent their high draft capital on on dynasty darling uh, Jamar Chase, and you know, it, it from the moment he was drafted, you know, what a roller coaster ride uh, of uh, Chase has been. Just from going into the process as the solidified wide receiver one, and, and really main mainstaying that through all the the running back swapping back and forth that we had uh this past season as well um but chase really just kind of remained that one you know 101 lock him in and forget it uh wide receiver bulletproof prospect and and then the preseason rolls around and you know whispers about drops and him not catching on to the playbook not being on the same page as joe burrow and there were people that were panicking people were moving jamar chase i you know that's what i'd like to see if anybody that moved uh jamar chase towards the end of august was able to capitalize on a on, on an owner that was uh, uh panicking if you will um due, due to the news coming out of Bengals camp and whatnot during the preseason if you were able to capitalize and, and get chase at a discount uh we'd love to see that trade so make sure you do send that over to us well i know i know you don't listen to every show but i have mentioned that i made that trade i made the dk metcalf trade where i traded dk for uh jamar chase and a 23 first Oof, that's lovely right Right after the dropsies. You know, everybody's like, dropsies, those are scary. I don't want any dropsies. And I said, fucking drop? Seriously? Like, you know, we're gonna we're gonna boil this down. I mean, I could have I should have bought more. I should have been more aggressive. I mean, you know, I was all in, man. That was like the dumbest thing ever. I mean, a couple of drops right. in a practice after a guy hasn't played for two years when he's new to an NFL. T- I mean, what the fuck are we even talking about? Like, how is that relevant to anything? Like, when was that the thing? Like, hey, remember that really good player who, like, when he came in, he went to the preseason and he dropped three passes, and that was the end of that. When the fuck was that the story? Like, when is that a data point that's mattered for anything ever in any situation ever? Never has it happened. So, dumbest fucking thing I ever heard in my life. Um, no, I wasn't worried about Jamar yeah. Chase being good or bad because of that. If he was going to be good or bad, it had nothing to do with that. So you had to just eliminate that from your fucking decision-making process and then make a decision. The decision was, is he going to be good or not? I don't fucking still don't know. Uh, not Now we know he's good. But at that time, you weren't sure, but it wasn't because of those stupid drops. Yeah. Here, Speaking of which, here speak, we go ahead. Go ahead. Here we are now, though, you know, heading into week eight and at 21 years old, this rookie uh, that was experiencing the drops uh, is is leading the NFL in yards per catch at 21 and a half, has three 100 yards games, including a 200 yard outing that we just saw against Baltimore and has the most receiving yards through seven career games in NFL history with 754. So, yes, welcome to wide receiver one territory in Dynasty, Jamal. 
Jamar Chase? You know, it, yeah, baby. That was the question. The question that I have on the show sheet, and of course, Dan's been fucking kicking it around like a soccer ball, is is Jamar Chase the WR1 in Dynasty? I think he's just fucking spike, gronk spike that fucking answer home. But, you know, for me coming in, I was looking at like Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb. Like those two um, prospects. That's where Jamar Chase sort of fell for me. I was like, is he a better prospect coming in than those two guys? And I'm not saying he plays like that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying like in my profile, the way that I look and the things that I evaluate, the things that I measure, the things that I look, right? All of the data that comes in, you know, all the film that you watch, all the, every bit of it, you, you filter it down and you go, okay, he's in that ballpark. He's in that ballpark. And so he wasn't a Julio Jones. That was, you know, he wasn't a Calvin Johnson, but he was, he was a Mari Cooper or CeeDee Lamb. And now he's proven to be, Maybe better than all of those guys, you know, who knows, but he's the real deal and he's shown up. Now, what was kind of cool was today we were we were just, you know, playing around on Twitter as sometimes we do, and a couple of people that 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 I like, uh, that I get along with, obviously Scott Connor. Scott's in the, you know, in in the Dynasty Game Theory uh, invitational with me, Charles Chill, FFB. He responded to a, a uh, a tweet by a gentleman named Michael, who's a follower, and I, I, I'm not really seeing him. He's pretty cool. He had some good things to say. I liked him. Uh, and then, um, and, and then, of course, the the famous Cooper Adams. Everybody likes Cooper Adams. I mean, this motherfucker's smart or whatever. I don't know. I mean, I, I like the dude Cooper underscore DFF. He's he's fine. He's a good dude. So anyway, they started fucking talking and whatnot, and they were basically asking the question. I thought this was a good question for you and I to talk about. Like, is he worth? buying right now right and of course there there was a a discussion and i think there's some nuance here which is why i wanted to discuss it because it's not is he worth buying the question is is if you have him as the wr1 and whomever you're trading with doesn't appropriately value him as such then he's worth buying if you have to pay the 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 highest of high Fucking prices, the the you know, the first positional player, the 1.01 in a non-superflex league price, then fuck no, don't pay it. You know? So I thought that was my answer. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I don't know that I'm ready to 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 really give wide receiver one price uh for him at this point. You know, I, I'm I'm just such a I'm a huge C D Lamb advocate, I'm a huge Justin Jefferson advocate. Uh, I, I still do love Metcalf and, and and you know what we've seen from him thus far. Obviously, Geno Smith's not going to get it done, and so he's having to take a step back. Um, you know, I, I I think Chase is definitely in the top five conversation, but I just think that there's enough guys right there that 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 he's right there in the conversation with at this point, but not necessarily. I'm willing to move him above. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I feel like right now, I mean, I've had, you know, Jefferson, Lamb, Devontae, Tyreek Hill, and and now Chase in that top five for me for the last few weeks. And what I've seen from Jamar Chase has made me feel like, okay, now, now he's leapfrogged the Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams. And here's the way I look at it, man. Like, if you're, okay, you're a DFS guy. If you're looking at the weekly slate, you basically look like it's like Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, and now Jamar Chase is like the fourth guy. You're like, what's his price? 
Am, am I crazy? No, he, he's up there this week. I think on, on DK, he's right there around se- somewhere between 75 and 79. Uh, can't remember offhand, but, um, you know, and, and he, he's worth it. I mean, just, just what the boom that we saw this past week, you just just showed us, you know, he, he can be a slate breaker. And when you're building lineups, you know, that that's what you want. A Derrick Henry, a Cooper Cup, you know, is a guy who I, I've – I've struggled to get behind, and they, they've got him priced up. I, I think he might be the wide receiver one on the main slate this week, you know, due to Coppins, uh, the yeah. Chiefs, the Chiefs and the Packers not being there. So, um, you know, and, and it's warranted, but it's like at, at this point, you know, I've been holding off on, on getting a ton of cup exposure just because because he's been popular, chalky play and, and super expensive. But every time he breaks the slate, he does, know, man. It, 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 it's <laughs> it, it's it's you either have him or you don't. And if you don't, you're sending yourself packing yeah. uh, from yeah. from most contests. So yeah, he's uh, broken you know, like it, five it, slates. It, he's broken like five slates where he you know if you don't have Cooper Cup, you're fucked. But here's my point on this chase issue. Is my point is is like. You know, I have C.D. Lamb up there, yet he's not that guy yet. And the only reason he's up there is because we know how fucking dope he is, and he's tied to Dak, and it's going to happen, and yada, yada. We're still prognosticating elite production for C.D. Lamb. He is not Cooper Cup, Devonta Adams, Tyreek Hill with production yet. Justin Jefferson kind of is. You know, just Jefferson's up there. When I do my weekly rankings, it's like that's the dudes. Well, now Jamar Chase now shoves himself into that conversation. And if you're going to be that good on a weekly and season one, I always say season one, like, you know, now, today, this season, year one. If you're that good year one and you're also a fucking 21-year-old rookie, then you almost have to be the WR1. Look, you're, you're as a prospect, to me, you were in the C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper sphere of as a as a as a prospect okay great as a weekly play you're in the cooper cup Devonte adams you know tyreek hill justin jefferson category and you're in the young awesome amazing you know athletic phenom great wide receiver group of jefferson lamb and and, and yourself and so he's in all of these spots and i think when you start to just look at it i have zero issue moving him to wide receiver one i'm not saying he has to be he's just in the fucking conversation if you have him there you're not crazy if you're doing a startup draft right now there's no chance you're pulling the trigger on Devonta adams or tyreek hill over jamar chase it's just not happening i think it's going to be like zero drafts if you were doing uh, dynasty startups right now i think it would almost be either jefferson or chase in every single one of these right now yeah, no, I, I I agree with that, and you you have to weigh in the the surrounding aspects that that go with each one of those guys. Yep, and that uh, you know a lot of boxes get checked when you're looking at Chase and, and his surrounding cast uh, from from the offense of uh, that that he's playing in there under Zach Taylor, but now also you know Joe Burrow who has come back from injury and looked every bit as sharp as we saw from him this past year. You know they they, they kind of kept the volume down a little bit to start the start the season you know causing the efficiency to come up and and but the, i think the volume is going to remain and this is a connection that 
that, you know, two young guys that are going to grow in this offense together. And you can't, you know, you got to put a price on that as well. Uh, and, you know, Justin Jefferson, while he's great and we love him, uh, you know, he's got Captain Kirk Cousins, who, who's not even in the conversation as far as being uh, an upper echelon quarterback in today's NFL. And, and he's very well likely to see the door here soon. We don't know what's coming behind that next door for Justin Jefferson. So, you know, these are all things that you got to think about when you are talking about dynasty rankings I agree. And, and the long haul. You know, Devontae Adams getting older and also a quarterback situation that, that isn't going to remain fluid probably for much longer, maybe another year after this. Probably not. We don't really know. We saw yeah, we saw not. how quickly that, that almost fell to shambles this offseason. And, and we saw Devontae Adams take a, a, a value hit just during the shenanigans that, that was the back and forth. So, you know, all these, all these have to be weighed into consideration uh, when you're talking about these true top five guys and jamar chase does check a lot of those boxes yeah but yeah man i'm i'm sitting here literally nodding the whole time you're talking because it's like every time you're talking it's like fucking more jamar chase nods um you know i i you know it's not like i want to put him there and be like he's you know it's not a hot take it's not a thing it's just i just think that that's about where the value is now the the argument was should you be paying that value and again i would argue in a startup draft yeah fuck yeah you should be paying that value in trade, it is different. And I don't know. I mean, you know, I think there there was a lot of, you know, conversation w- from them where it's like, you know, uh, is he going to keep this up? And I don't really fucking care. Like, he's awesome and he's proven he can do it and he's proven he's going to do it. He, he has weekly wide receiver one upside for until further notice. Like, when the fuck does that stop happening? When does he stop having – Wide receiver one on a weekly basis, upside taken away. I, I what, Never. Like, he's that guy. So, okay, so he has that. He's basically a locked and loaded WR24, like top two, uh, uh, WR2, like top uh, top 24 wide receiver on a weekly basis, unless something weird happens. Like, so he's got floor, ceiling, like he's young, he's talented, his prospect profile was elite. Just fucking sign me up. I am so excited about Jamar Chase. And everybody knows that I love CeeDee Lamb, but I, I I would easily draft Jamar Chase over CeeDee Lamb in a dynasty startup, and it wouldn't really even be much of a thought for me. And I just want to throw in here also that if anybody's panicking over T. Higgins and what his role is going to be in this offense – uh, and this is an opportunity to buy him while Chase is getting all the love, all the attention, and 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 seamlessly putting an end to what we thought was going to be T. Higgins' career ascension. You know, capitalize on that right there because this guy is still a playmaker and and checking off a lot of the exact same boxes that we're checking off when we're talking about Chase. So you know, uh, allow this Chase boom to to uh, to really capitalize and go get some T. Higgins share right now across all formats absolutely this is the debo samuel corollary which was don't forget that t higgins is also dope and and tyler boyd is is tyler boyd he's never going to be anything more than what he is and he's just a valuable ppr sort of thingy on your team that's what he is and that's not a bad thing he's just going to always get sort of targeted and and, and convert these little first downs and shit like that. But he's never going to be what T. Higgins or Jamar Chase are. T. Higgins right now, his value is about as low as I think it will ever be. So it is 
buy time for T Higgins. I'm with you a fucking hundred percent, bro. Great point. We are, um, this is gonna be a great show, man. People are loving this shit right now because you and I are fucking flowing. And I'll tell you right now, the other team that I thought two teams I need to apologize to one Cincinnati Bengals. I do my power rankings every week. And, uh, one of these guys from the Cincinnati, you know, Cincinnati fan was like, dude, fucking come on, really Bengals. And I was like, yeah, maybe they should be a little higher. Sorry, bro. Whoever the fuck you were that I didn't remember who you are, but I'm remembering you right now. That guy. Sorry. Uh, all Bengals fans listening. There's like two of them going, yay, me. Uh, those two guys, the two Cincinnati listeners, fucking sorry. Bengals are dope. The other team, though, Dan, is the Tennessee Titans. Holy shit. Like, what the fuck is this Tennessee Titans situation? Like, you know, Julio Jones, A.J. Brown have done nothing. Like, their defense was sucking. Now, all of a sudden, they hold the Chiefs to three. They're five and two. Derrick Henry's throwing touchdown passes. What the fuck? Yeah, no. It, That's a question. It's been a wild ride for, uh, you know, I, I kind of have adopted the Titans as one of my secondary teams, um, being kind of really the second closest stadium uh, to where I live here up in North Georgia. And I've been to a couple of Titans games. So, you know, I find myself fond of the Titans and I was excited about them coming into this year, you know, and, and getting my guy Julio, no less, you know, I, I lost him from Atlanta, but, you know, kind of went to my secondary team in the Titans and, and with a guy who I love in AJ Brown too. Uh, two guys I know that had been, you know, connected even before uh, Julio did end up going to the Titans, but seeing them link up, I, I, I was, I was loving the the titan hype that was rolling this offseason and then they came out and uh, aside from derrick henry being an absolute machine uh, uh, a monster if you will uh they they struggled and they struggled defensively uh, they struggled offensively and really in the passing game julio now struggling to stay healthy aj brown having chipotle incidents that that are causing concerns for his health you know so but i think i think this last week was really kind of a titans team uh, that that has really kind of turned around, and I, I don't know so much defensively. I think there's still holes. I think more than anything, it was the Chiefs failing to capitalize on what was a good matchup. For sure. I don't think that the Titans' defense is for real. I think they they are still very suspect, and, and it's going to cause this this Titans' offense to have to continue to to produce offensively. And whether that is to continually to do it through Derrick Henry or pick up on this passing game a little bit more, we saw Ryan Tannehill and, and what he's capable of efficiency-wise, and, and with the running game still being very strong there, you know that efficiency should be able to flow right off of it. Yeah, you said it right, man. You know, and the thing about it is, like, they got off to a 14-0 start. Like, you know, they did get that first drive touchdown, then the second drive touchdown. So. You know, when they can play from in front, they're so much more dangerous because, you know, even A.J. Brown, it's not like, you know, the way that that he gets his, it's not like they line up and shotgun four wide, Tannehill sits back, dissects it, and picks up A.J. Brown. It's more like, you know, Derrick Henry's killing you, killing you. Linebackers and safeties start fucking peeking in the backfield like, holy shit, this motherfucker. And then it's play action, A.J. Brown just behind him. And then all of a sudden he's got like a little bit of space in the middle of the field and now you're like, fuck, I've got to tackle this motherfucker. Like, it's that. That's the thing, right? And, you know, Julio just hasn't really gotten his thing going there. But even just that thing, that sort of Henry, 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 fuck A.J. Brown, you know, that thing. And they can do that when they're ahead. When they're behind, 
they've actually done it where they've just kind of stayed with the Derrick Henry thing, which has worked for them. They're five and two. They've actually had a comeback win that way, but like it's easier to do when you're ahead. And they were able to also then play defense a certain way. They knew that the chiefs were not running the football. Matter of fact, they were hoping the chiefs would run the football. So they were playing a hundred percent pin their ears back on the edges, just try and get across around the edge, disrupt, uh, Mahomes and 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 that's an easy way to play. I mean, let's face it. You know, if you just start thinking about it in your own head, you're like, yeah, that would be fucking great. Like, imagine you're a DN and you're like, they're passing. Like, it's fucking great. You know, you're you're a corner. You're like, they're passing. Like, all I have to do is cover this motherfucker. I don't have to worry about getting off his block and tackling a back out of the backfield. So, you know, just every every position on the field when when they're up fourteen nothing, it really helps their defense. And it fucking helped them against the Kansas City Chiefs. I think they're for real. I think they're a little bit game script dependent, but they're they're well coached. They're tough minded. They've got the the you know the king of all kings and, and Derrick Henry and uh, yeah they they could be for real. And also apologies to the seven Titans fans listening. No, I guess there's one with me. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, 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 I'm here with for the Titan, you know, Derrick Henry last season, you know, just over the 2000 yard mark on the ground became the eighth and uh, running back in NFL history to rush for at least 2000 yards. So, you know, this guy is, is a machine and he's, he's, instead of picking up towards the end of the year, like he's done in years past, he really just jumped off from the gun here and, and is rolling through teams, came back down to earth a little bit more of a pedestrian outing against the Chiefs. But, uh, you know, I, I think that there's not much that's going to slow him down. They're just going to continue to feed him. Oh, buddy, he is so good. You know, I, I, I don't remember if I tweeted it or said it. I don't remember what I said. I, I might have said it on these airwaves here, but I said, you know, if somehow Derrick Henry gets targeted – watch the fuck out well he is one catch away from his career high and they're seven games in so he's basically doubled up on his best season ever catching the football he is catching the football look they've just been smart enough to just give him a few opportunities in the passing game and you know so they're able to i don't know i mean he's got 125 rushing yards a game which is basically the same pace from last year which with 17 games will put him at like you know a 2150 this year. I mean, if he rushes for 2150 and like 20 touchdowns and 40 catch, like what the fuck? His pace is out of control right now. So, you know, I, I mean, you look at, at Derrick Henry's schedule and I don't think it's going to get too much worse. I mean, I think the Colts are actually a team that he kind of torches. They're, they're at Indy this week and I guess it gets a little bit difficult with the Rams and the Saints. The Saints are probably the toughest one, but whatever, man. He, you know, I mean, geez, Louise, he's able to get get things against almost anybody. I mean, he's got games still remaining against the Texans at home and the Jaguars at home. Honestly, the Jaguars, like the what what over under would you bet the under rushing yards at home against the Jaguars in in uh, like whatever week that is, uh, December twelfth at home? Like, I really want to ask you. Like I'm, that's not a rhetorical question. Like, if I said a hundred, hundred eighty-five, you still over? <laughs> no, I'd probably take the under there. But I was gonna say, I was gonna say one seventy, one sixty-five. So <laughs> right, like it's got to be a, a stupid number. He smashes Jacksonville every Kills year. Kills them. Like he might have hundred and twenty-five on just one carry. If that's, I don't know. If, I'm not a math wizard. I think, We're gonna. I run. think he smashed the Col- <laughs> the Colts last last time he played for like a buck forty-five and two or something like that. He does, and that's the thing too. It's like he gets the uh, he gets two against the Texans, two against the Colts, 
two against the Jags every year. And it's like, holy smokes, that's, you know, that's really fucking good because he absolutely kills them. So enough about this Marvel Derrick Henry. Um, you know, the, the Titans are good. I made my apologies. Um, let's move to, hey, man, I, I want to talk about it. I want to bring it up because I think as a dynasty player, we should be thinking about it. Deshaun Watson. The noise is getting noisier. I think there are teams that are basically like by the noise. It's like, oh, this one team has a deal in place. If only they could get um, clearance from the NFL that everything's fucking cool with what, you know, whatever he did. It's like that's not fucking happening. But what that tells me is that teams are trying to gauge whether or not they could put him out there. Like because obviously wherever Deshaun Watson goes, he helps that team win. Like you put him in Carolina. What are they like three and five or three and four, whatever they are. Like that's a potential playoff team immediately. Like the upgrade from Darnold to Watson, you know? So like if he goes someplace, he can change the fortunes of that team. I don't know about Miami, man. I don't fucking understand. They're, they're dog shit. One and six, like good luck. But uh, anyway, them aside, like even Philadelphia, like they've got all these picks, like, uh, you know, their team is such dog shit though, right? But so there's a, there's a, there, it's interesting to see what's happening. But I think what I guess I'm getting at is if he does go someplace from a dynasty lens, if he goes someplace and is playing, he's going to elevate somebody. So I'm just trying to figure that out a little bit ahead of time and kind of be prepared for that and not get caught blindsided and be like, shit, why didn't I fucking trade for Robbie Anderson? You know what I mean? Like, I don't love Robbie Anderson. I'm not saying we should trade for Robbie Anderson, but. What are your thoughts here about Deshaun Watson and and his effect, um, the ripple effect going forward? Yeah, I mean it, it it's it's something noteworthy. And then you know he was a top five quarterback in the league before this all kind of came unraveled, and, and now he is a a high variable piece in dynasty you know there's not you haven't seen many people moving whether it's buying or selling just due to you know his value is pretty low as of right now compared to what it was uh, at the end of this past season so now you know all the legal issues coming in into the fold it's really just clouded the value as a whole and i i don't have i don't think a single share i had one that i ended up getting rid of before this season uh, got underway and it's just a piece that that comes with a lot of risk um and and i think that goes for the nfl teams looking to potentially trade for watson uh, themselves you know that the risk that comes with that from from legal repercussions to, to, to fan base uproar, uh, you know, no telling what that does to a locker room and, and to the players around him. But yes, instantly, if Deshaun Watson is a quarterback on a team that had a subpar quarterback, no matter the weapons, they're all elevated at that time. Well, here's a question. So, <clears throat> you know, obviously we can, you can try to value Deshaun Watson today and take into consideration all the nonsense. And I don't want to hear about that. What I want to hear about is if Deshaun Watson landed in Miami, if Deshaun Watson landed in Carolina, you put him wherever the hell you want. I don't give a shit. If Deshaun Watson lands someplace like that, anywhere you want to think that he's going to land, he becomes a top what quarterback in dynasty. 
I mean, if 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 he lands in even a semi, like I said, in even a semi decent spot, if he's playing meaningful football again, he's he's instantly back up in the top five conversation. I, I don't really care which franchise it's for. I agree. So I agree. I totally agree. So that's why I think he like I recently made the trade for him. I traded uh, in a, in a league where I had Hurts. I mean, excuse me, I had Hurts. Yeah, it Hurts, Dak, and Lamar. I traded Hurts in a 23-second for him. You like that? Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind that right there. I mean, you know, because I like Hurts. If I was starting Hurts, I wouldn't have made that trade, you know, because it's like, fuck, I I mean, I really – Hurts, by the way, the QB2 in, uh, in points per game so far this year or points total, whatever, at the quarterback position, unbelievable. Jalen Hurts has been just – perfect like he's like 22 to 25 points every single game never misses a game he's just he's he's clockwork you know he is solid he's michael thomas 2019 or whatever right like just every week you just get your money it's like he's the bank but um but you know i I don't know man they're not winning and the football guys you know when i i listen to fantasy guys i listen to betting guys I listen to all sorts of different people that i think are great i'll tell you who they all are but the football guy i like to listen to is mike lombardi you know uh and you know he was talking just he's like i'm not sure about this kid you know and i hear it you know i hear a few other people saying he's he's just not a starter in this league talking about hurts so i think when football guys say that that makes me think that at some other point other football guys, i.e. football fucking coaches and GMs, will not have him as a starter. And I'm not saying that I agree or disagree. I don't fucking know. Who the hell am I? I'm just some asshole in his mom's basement. But I'm saying that if Hertz becomes not a starter, he won't be the quarterback too. Do you feel me? Yeah. Well, and here's a little nugget on Jalen Hurts. Uh, we call him the fourth quarter comeback kid because uh, he can be, you know, only have, you know, four or five fantasy points heading into the fourth quarter and still end up with it's the true. 22, 23, 24 points. Listen to this. In the Here's fantasy points by quarter for Jalen Hurts in the first quarter. Holy cow. In the first quarter, 33.8 fantasy points across all games. Second quarter, 26.3 fantasy points. Third quarter, 38.6 fantasy points. Fourth quarter, 75.9 fantasy points. So literally mm. almost mm. almost half, a little less than half of his total fantasy point production has come in the fourth quarter of games this year. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's like 20, whatever you said, you said 30, 20, 30, 70. Like, yeah. This has been the thing. He's been garbage time. He's Blake Bortles, for lack of a better term, right? Remember the Blake Bortles sort of, you know, thing that happened. I'm not saying he's not as good. I'm just saying that's what happened. You know, they were a team that couldn't get anything going, couldn't play. And then when the team's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. We're we're beating your stupid ass. His defense is terrible. So they're just, you know, they're behind. And, uh, yeah, that could be right, man. Uh, So great take on on Jalen Hurts. He's a little bit of of a sell high for sure. Because you can just turn him into a more stable quarterback. I mean, I didn't turn him into a very stable one, but you can turn him into a more stable one. Um, plus, you know, like you could you could easily – I think you could trade Jalen Hurts and get Trevor Lawrence back right now. I swear to God, I think you could do it. Like, you know, yeah, you can certainly trade Jalen Hurts and get Justin Fields plus. I mean, 
right? Yeah, no, absolutely. That wouldn't be hard to swing at all at this point with with you know what we've seen from the Bears and Justin Fields to start his NFL career. Uh, you know, he's he's taking a value dip, and, and Trevor Lawrence as well, just to, to, due to the 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 soggy nature of Urban Meyer and what's happening there in Jacksonville. I mean, you know, all, Ooh, all the pieces are, soggy. All the pieces are taking ah, a, little, so a little bit of a hit, and that's Trevor Lawrence included. The Florida swamps he dives in. Yeah. Ooh, so good. The soggy nature. I love that. That was so fucking fire. Before we get to more down south humidity, I wanted to uh, I wanted to ask you, I'm wondering how triggered everybody is with me who had Zach Wilson to lead the NFL in interceptions. I mean, what the fuck? I mean, I had this guy. There's nobody behind him. He's going to suck all season. It was the easiest bet of the season. I forgot about the potential injury. Son of a bitch. What do you think here? Yeah, no, that one hurts. Uh, Definitely was looking like good money there. Uh, Trevor Lawrence was definitely going to give him a run there to start the season, but uh, an injury, even a couple of weeks gone here, could really let some of these other guys kind of pump up their numbers and, and you might be sweating that one out the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I, I know uh, you're not going to let me get out of here tonight without talking a little bit about my Atlanta Falcons, um, you know, and I, I can, I can kick us off right now. It. You know, Atlanta's offense has, has, kind of struggled over the first three weeks of the season. Uh, They went one for two and got outscored by a combined margin of 94 to 48, averaging just 16 points over their first three games. But the last three weeks, we've really kind of seen a little bit of an offensive resurgence, and they're averaging 29 points over the last three. Um, You know, it, it's been a, a kind of a roller coaster since the offseason, the, the departure of Julio Jones and, and the incoming uh, unicorn of Kyle Pitts uh, has really just kind of uh, been a swirl of emotions here for us Atlanta Falcons and, and, and continuing down the Matt Ryan train. Um, you know, we've been pretty good on third downs this year. Um converting on 46% of the attempts, which is good enough for six in the league right now, and having an above-average conversion rate in the red zone at 61.9%. You know, that's notably higher than any season that we had under Dirk Cutter. So uh, I think the offense is moving in the right direction as the chemistry grows. Um, But unfortunately, we just don't know long-term. You know, Matt Ryan, while he'll, he'll be here this year and, uh, it's looking like probably at this time, just due to the the prospects coming up in this year's draft, um, we we may have them for one more season even after this. Uh, but you know, we don't know long term what 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 this offense is going to look like as it continues to evolve, going through a coaching change and, and personnel changes are are going to continue to roll over the next couple seasons. Well, I famously called your Atlanta Falcons dog shit, no doubt. And uh, they, they've played a little bit better. And they've played themselves into a potential playoff spot at this point, which, you know, I posted the the playoff, the wild card standings. And, like, I think Atlanta – wait, is Atlanta in it right now? If it were to end right now, I think they're in. Hold on. Let me look. I've got it right here. Okay. Right, no, listen. They're 3-3. Three and three. Minnesota's 3-3. Three and three. They're literally 
you know, t- effectively tied with Minnesota for that last playoff spot in the NFC, which I know it's early. I know, I know, I know, but they're just right there, man. They're right there in it. So like, I did not see that coming. And if we look at them kind of moving forward, you know, they've got the Carolina Panthers at home. That's winnable. Um, and then it gets a little bit tougher for three games. They got, you know, at Saints, at Cowboys, home Patriots. Obviously, the Patriots steamroll everybody, 54 to 13, best team in the NFL. I told you guys. Um, and, but then at Jaguars, you know, they they get the Bucks and the Panthers, 49ers, Lions, like Bills, Saints. Like, I don't know, man. They've got some games. They can kind of go 500. And, you know, somewhere in the 500 range could get you that last playoff spot. Like, you know, is it going to be nine or ten wins? I don't. I don't think you're going to need eleven wins to make the playoffs. You know, for that last spot in the NFC, uh, it doesn't feel like it. That's for that's for sure. So, you know, I don't see Minnesota or any of these other teams behind them. You know, just taking off. You know, it's Minnesota, Chicago, Carolina, San Francisco could, but I don't know, man. I think it could be where like you know nine and eight could take it home. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Just looking at that schedule there, I, I kind of really see maybe four, five, six. If the ball really goes our way, wins out of those remaining games. Uh, but to be honest, I'm kind of hoping that that's not the case because I just don't think we're equipped to really go anywhere at this point. Agreed. And, you know, you know, similar to dynasty strategy, you know, if, if you're not really truly contending, recognize that and, and make the moves to appropriate your off-season uh, schedule if you catch my drift. Yeah, absolutely. And it turns out Kyle Pitts is generational. That's correct. And he's also not playing a ton at tight end. He's playing, you know, in the slot and out wide. And just like we said, right, just like we said, I mean, you know, I remember saying all season that he was going to be you know, a weapon that would be used all over the place. Um, my Scott Fishbowl team is really hoping that that turns around because we're 0-7 or whatever. And uh, I was depending upon Matt Ryan and Trey Lance and Kyle Pitts early on. Didn't go so well. Didn't go so well. So, um, you know, I got like five wide receivers hurt. It was like Will Fuller, Odell Beckham, Gallup, Bateman. Just, you know, I felt like a firing squad. My, my team, I should – if there was a team name, it would have been fucking – you know, Jax's firing squad, they all died, every single one of them. So God bless me. Yeah, it was like a squid game. Uh, you know, that's that's my team name, fucking Scott Fishbowl squid game team. So, you know, but point of the matter is I thought that from the beginning, I thought that the uh, Ryan Pitts sort of combination would be at least prolific because, you know, uh, they'd be behind. You know, I didn't think they'd be a good team, but I thought they'd be at least a team that would have to – kind of throw it a ton, even if they win, you didn't sort of see him, you know, it wasn't going to be, well, Mike Davis with almost 2000 yards. It was never happening. Turns out that brings me to one of my favorite subplots of the 2021 season, which was, you know, one of the reasons I never really loved Mike Davis, but I felt like, you know what, they, they cut Quadriolison and like, they just sort of cleared the fucking seas for this guy. Cut JV and Hawkins. Like everybody was like, oh, someone's going to take some touches from him. And they just fucking were like, no, no. And and it sort of it made us think that maybe Mike Davis would get a crazy amount of usage, which was the only real way because he's not a great player. So usage was going to be the way that he sort of paid off for you. And I was like, oh, well, I'll take usage in the fifth or sixth round. Fuck it. You know, and so a few spots I took Mike Davis. Uh, maybe only one anyway, but either way, I've got Mike Davis in a couple spots, and it's like, no, 
Cordero Patterson is now like Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara light. And they're smart to be using him that way because he's way fucking better than Mike Davis. It's, that's a fact. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, it was it was a surprise to me as much as anybody else. While I wasn't really buying into Mike Davis, uh, like you mentioned, just just the volume that we were expecting him to see, and, and we had kind of written off Cordero as what we had known him as, which was a few kind of uh, gimmicky touches, maybe some kickoff prowess, um, but they they did not you know keep that trend they integrated him in started giving him some opportunities to produce he did produce and now they've made a point to continue to utilize him and mike davis has just taken a sheer back seat uh you know i don't think that there's anybody that that is starting mike davis across any formats and and if you invested at all this offseason in dynasty shame on you and, and and lick your wounds yeah, no doubt, man. I mean, it's it's definitely over for Mike Davis. It's always really been over for Mike Davis. But, like, you know, look, when you see that kind of, like, runway to opportunity, it doesn't matter who the player is. It really isn't like, oh, I think Mike Davis is good. It's like, look, Mike Davis might fucking get 200 carries this year. Like, you know, it's kind of like any of these guys, you know, Damian Williams, Khalil Herbert. Like, you know, you just go on down the line. Like, whoever it is, is worth it. You know, Dearness Johnson just fucking rumbled for you know 150 um you know it's like opportunity is everything and so when we saw the seas part you, know, you kept wondering hey will they bring someone in is this a marlon mack trade spot or you know whatever i mean you know if todd Gurley wasn't dead he'd be a good fit there um but you know there was a there was a number of spots where you're like oh maybe this will happen but really all that happened was uh cordell patterson is alvin camaro that's what happened i mean he's just fucking way better actually yeah, no, and I mean, it, it's just been a surprise that I, I think if if you have Cordero in any league, once again, I'm I'm looking to move him uh, as, as soon as possible. And if I'm a true contender and, and I'm relying on Cordero, I, I don't think I'm a true contender at that rate. So no matter the circumstance, if he's on my roster, I'm looking to, to move him uh, because, you know, this past off season, he was on nobody's radar as, as having any type of legitimate value, and and if that that value has been corrected to to what we've seen thus far, I'm willing to take the investment for a player of, of his nature at his age and in, in this point in his career. Uh, I'll capitalize on that right there. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, we looked at uh, we were having some fun. I don't know how much we'll get to it. We were just I threw out a tweet that said, "Hey, man, show me some trades, and maybe we'll talk about them." I'll talk about one because I thought this was really smart. They, whoever the, you you got to maybe you can look it up and shout the kid out. But um, someone had, uh, had 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 given us the trade of Cordero Patterson for Rashad Bateman. And it was just fucking brilliant. That is brilliant because Rashad Bateman is, you know, nothing and stupid and who cares. And Cordell Patterson's the the RB5. So, of course, what a fucking smash. And, of course, it's such a steal. He's just stealing Rashad Bateman right out from underneath. This guy's a great trade. And, look, maybe this guy's, you know, a one piece away and he can afford to get rid of Rashad Bateman. And maybe it makes sense that way. But, you know, for the most part, that is just an absolute rip. And it's exactly how you should be looking to take advantage of Cordero Patterson. Because if you had tried to trade Cordero Patterson for the 110 in a league or whatever, you know, wherever Rashad Bateman was taken, Rashad Bateman's on the clock. And you're like, hey, listen, I'll give you Cordero Patterson for this pick. They'd have been like, get the fuck out of here. But now you can do that because of this season. Really smart, really smart play. And it's a really smart trade. And even if Cordero is 
sort of for real and, and keeps it. He's 30 years old. He'll be 31 next year. I would not be betting on a 31-year-old running back. I mean, this kid was probably miscast from the beginning, and I think we talked about it. Uh, Bill Belichick was the first coach to really start to move him into the role that he really was, which was more of a running back than a receiver. He's a pass-catching he, you know, he might have been a dope player from the beginning if he'd have just been a a, a running back from the beginning. I mean, he's 6'2", 220, runs a 4'4", Like, dude, this guy was a fucking running back from day one. Yeah, just a, a pure athlete that, that had ball skills once he had it in his hand. And he just never really got enough volume to be considered a, a true fantasy football asset. And now here in Atlanta, he's getting the volume to complement that. And, and, and it's taking his value and raising it up higher than it's probably ever been across fantasy football at this point. And once again, that, that's just value I'm willing to capitalize on by, by moving at this time. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. I mean, but just to give you some 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 idea, I mean, he was super efficient through the first few weeks, but you know, he had like uh, you know, 22, 23, 25, 23 snaps. These last two games, weeks 5 and 7, he's up at 45 snaps. And so we weren't convinced that the uh, efficiency would last, but we said, well, if the efficiency fades a little, but his his volume increases, he could absolutely keep up an RB one season. And I think he will. I really do. I think this is an RB one season for him. I think he's their clear cut. They basically have looked at the first four weeks and went, uh, yeah, that motherfucker is better than Mike Davis, so he's going to play more. Mike Davis, and this is correct by the way. Mike Davis is now the sort of you know empty carries. Just give him a few spots to fucking you know wear down the defense. If you have to throw it to him, it's okay. He's okay in the pass game. And then you know Cordero is the sort of Alvin Kamara role where it's like we can throw it to him, we can run it to him, we can do whatever the hell we want. You know, he's, he's played thirty. He's averaged thirty pass snaps a, a, a game the last two weeks. I mean, he's running routes. He's out in the you know it's just awesome. Uh, in his in his uh, he's lined up wide forty seven times and in the slot twenty four times. So almost half halfway in the backfield and halfway out outside. So, I mean, he is just an absolute weapon. And so I guess at the end of the day, if you find a guy like Dan, who's, who's going to trade him away, you know, if you can buy light, and again, I would say light because there's no real future for this kid, but you're making a, a run. Cordell Patterson is not fool's gold. He's going to be real this year, provided he doesn't get hurt. I just don't think he's going to be much more for very much longer because he's going to be 31 next year. Yeah, I, I'd take a second for him if, if if somebody was willing to throw me a a twenty twenty three second. Even uh, I, I would take that. Yeah, because you can't pay a first for a guy like that, and I I mean, and you can't sell for a third. So that's it. No, but but you know, generally, I mean, I just made a gigantic trade, and they're always I always try and put more things in there so that everybody has you know. Uh, something coming back, you know, because if you just try and trade for Cordero Patterson straight up, it's harder. But if you kind of throw in, you know, you got an excess of tight ends and you're like, all right, I'll give you, you know, Hunter Henry and, you know, this other backup, you know, and then a second round and this, and you get Cordero and one wide receiver, whatever you get my drift. Like then all of a sudden it can make a little bit more sense and it can sometimes fit your team a little bit better without giving up just straight draft picks to get people. Uh, Cause you only have so many draft picks to give up. But when you package things, a lot of times you can, you know, you can even give up a first and get like, 
two seconds and a third back. And then all of a sudden you get some player, you know, you know what I mean? It, sometimes you just kind of have to move your shit around smartly to make sure you still have uh, some value coming your way. You know how I do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the usage has been there for Patterson. This, this past week uh, alone was his highest season in, in snap share at 73%. So, uh, you know, over the Falcons last two games in particular, Patterson has gotten more carries than, than uh, Mike Davis has 28 to 17. He's run more routes 54 to 45 and has gotten more targets 14 to five all more than Mike Davis. So he's really phased Mike Davis out and become the 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 option in Atlanta's backfield that is getting really any meaningful looks there and and, and the only one that I would consider really even rostering at this point. Mike Davis is uh for the waiver wire as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, pour one out Mike Davis in his thighs. His thighs, you can pour them all out right on top of his thighs and he won't even get yeah, it's fine. Um hey how about how about them Patriots, baby? Woo! We go into we we go kick the shit out of the stupid fucking Jets. Hate the Jets. We injure their stupid fucking quarterback. Hate the quarterback. We just fuck all those Jets. Like if there's a Jets fan listening, I hope you shut it off. Just get the hell out of here because we're gonna talk stupid about your dumbass team and your dumbass quarterback and your dumbass organization and y'all suck. Is that mean? Was that mean, Dan? I mean, I don't really have any dog in this race as far as the uh, jets go so i, I, I mean, problem. you know it's like funny my, my takes are always this pragmatic bullshit and then i start talking about like the pats and i'm just like this sub stupid asshole homer um but the pats did kick the ever-living shit out of the jets which is no accomplishment i'm not gonna say it's an accomplishment i mean if we played alabama and beat them that'd be something but the jets they suck everybody knows that but um you know, so we beat this stupid fucking Jets team, and all of a sudden the Pats are good. And now they go and play in LA where it's gonna be well over fifty percent Pats fans. I mean, we know this. You know, this 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 stadium is not the chart nobody there's no Chargers fans anymore. They're all in San Diego fucking surfing and smoking pot on the beach and getting laid. Like they're not doing you know what I mean? They're not going to fucking LA and driving through traffic. And there's nobody in LA who gives a shit. They don't fucking care at all about this stupid Chargers. Like, you know, there's Chargers fans throughout the, the world, but there's none in LA. They don't give a fuck. So the Pats fans who are all in LA, or by the way, the Cowboys fan or the Steelers fans, or the Ravens, they all go to that game. They're like, hey, we're in LA. Let's go fucking check. So it's gonna be a home game for the Pats in Los Angeles to face this really good Chargers team who are going to be really fired up to beat someone's ass. Do the Pats have a chance to go in there and win that game? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they do. We, we saw that their game plan is willing to work. You know, Belichick is uh, building a, a, a game plan around his rookie quarterback that is working and you know we've seen mac jones really kind of look uh like he might have a, a decent future in this league and with the 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 running game to boot you know they they seem to have a, an amplitude of guys there uh that, that are willing to take a part-time role and be be efficient like we saw this last week with uh, uh bolden and jj so um, you know, I, I think that they're going to continue to just kind of keep the game plan simple, a little bit more of a vanilla offense with some trickery sprinkled in the Aguilar, uh, born touchdown pass. 
Um, you know, I, I think they're showing us just enough to where uh, they they can kind of control the tempo of games, and I think that's what they're going to look to do here when they when they go into Charger territory it is really just kind of slow down the tempo and and, and focus on uh, time of possession. If if they can come out of here with with a significant time of possession advantage, I think they can come out of here with a W. Yeah, I think it's possible. I mean, look, I, I mentioned the home team thing just because, you know, it's really hard to go into a real hostile environment and, you know, and 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 dominate, especially as a rookie. I just don't think that's going to be the case in this particular uh, in this particular case. I think we're going to see that, you know, they're going to be able to get on the field. They're going to be able to call their plays. They're not going to be, you know, he's not going to have his hands over the earpiece of the, you know, of the of the helmet. Like I fucking can't hear. It. That's not going to happen. Um, and of course, right now, all the LA fans who listen to this podcast, because like they all listen to this podcast, so many of them are going to be making so much noise because of this, I'm sure. But you know what I'm saying? Like, so I really think they've got that opportunity. Um, Herbert is dope. Belichick thinks the world of Herbert. He was gushing about him and, you know, rightfully so. But, um, you know, the, 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 the Chargers have sort of fallen from grace, you know, with, with their, last game just not looking very good like I thought this was a really good team I'm not sure what to think about the Chargers what are your thoughts about the Chargers I mean we love their offense so from a from a DFS dynasty fantasy perspective it's like Herbert Eckler Keenan Allen you know um uh Mike Williams and of course the you know the PSM uh you know Donald Parham obviously all those guys riding them but um but uh, you know, in terms of real football, what are what are our thoughts here? Is this a legit team yeah. or? I I mean I I view the Chargers as a legit team as a legit contender. Um, you know, as you mentioned, we we love every bit of their offense, uh, all all real aspects of it, and their defense, while not uh you know top five defense in the league, has has shown the capability to be stingy against the pass and and uh, against quarterbacks. Uh, that they're really just susceptible to the run. So I think Damian Harris is going to have another great week this week. I was I was buying into him this past week, and and I'm I'm going to buy into him again this week. Uh, he's 6100 on DraftKings, so coming in there right right in my wheelhouse at that 6K range for the running back position. Um, but I, I I do like the Chargers. I think uh, you know they got a few things that they can work on, but uh, this is this is today's NFL where if your offense can con- put up consistent points, uh, that that you have a chance to pretty much win each and every game, even if your defense is subpar. So uh, the Chargers ha- have enough of an offense that I think they are true contenders this year. Yeah, it's funny because I'm not sure exactly what the Chargers are. Their defense I thought was going to be really good, but they've been susceptible uh, to the run game too, right? And I think like the Patriots kind of might match up really well. I don't know, man. You know, it's like I could see the Pats going in there and like just getting smoked, or I could see him just kind of like just kind of manhandling them and just, you know, Belichick really um, gave uh, Justin Herbert fits last year and Herbert was rolling at the time. It wasn't like, you know, I mean, he was great all last year and uh, Belichick was like the, well, look, he's done it. Uh, rookie quarterbacks, all rookie quarterbacks, except for Davis Mills fucking suck against the Patriots. But obviously Davis Mills is special. Um, you know, what the fuck was that? So, um, you know, but speaking of special, let's end with one last game that we want to talk about. And of course it is, Michael P. Duncan's shitty, shitty Eagles. 
The Eagles are going to play the Lions. The Lions have like won one game in the last 24 years. I think they're going to win one this week against the shitbag Eagles. Are you with me here on this one, man? I, I don't know. This this one's going to come down to a <laughs> coin flip of, of you know which, which team can can pull it together most. Um, you know, both teams have really kind of fumbled over uh, from everything from 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 the front office all the way down to to special teams. Um, you know, they've they've had issues on both sides of the ball, but you know, it doesn't mean that there's not fantasy relevance in in a lot of these guys. You know, from Jalen Hurts, he's really the only Philadelphia guy that I've been interested in, uh, really on a weekly basis, just just due to his floor that we've seen. And then there's really just none of the options as far as the receivers go, uh, or the run game for that matter, that that you can rely on to have a good week, uh, or at least that you feel confident is going to be a good week. So I've been running Jalen Hurts out naked more often than not in, in most of my builds that I do. Uh, and really yeah. just not having much action around most of Philly's options. You know, yes, Smith, I, um, I'm excited about his future. Uh, but, you know, the, I think it's going to take a little bit more time and, and with spe- specifically with how this offense operates and how it's been operating thus far this year. It's just not really conducive for him to see consistent volume through the air. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, look, I just think – you know, Dan Campbell, you know, we talked about it a little bit pre-show, you know, it's like, you know, as much like as much as um, this guy is like, I don't know, he's kind of a character of himself. It's like, I think he's resonating, man. I, you know, you mentioned it pre-show. I don't mean to steal your thunder, but you came out and was like, you know, I tried to tee you up. But I'm going to steal your shit right now. Yeah. Like you were talking about how, and I agreed with it, man, because I was thinking the same thing. Dan Campbell came out. And they score a touchdown and they come out fucking kicking onside kick. They get it. Like he's just, that's how you should be coaching as an 0 7 team. Cause what the fuck do you have to lose? Like literally, they're playing with house money all year. They should be playing badass, backs to the wall. Like just, they're, they're so much fun. Like I love the way they're playing. I love the way they're competing. Their, their roster is not excellent. They have no wide receivers. Their quarterback is, you know, bottom 10 in the league. Like they've got some issues. Their defense is not great, but they're playing hard, man. They're playing for their coach. And if I could, I would say that the polar opposite is this, this Philadelphia team. And Michael P. Duncan is not going to be happy, but fuck it. He can frown all he wants while I tell him the truth that his team is not led by a guy who is the leader of men. Let me just tell you, this, this fucking Sirianni – uh, did you hear his bullshit about the flower analogy that he was talking to the team about? Did you hear this nonsense? I know we talked about it a little bit uh, pre-show <laughs> as we were getting amped up, but you know, I, I, I haven't seen the actual quote. I'll probably have to go back and check it out because it sounds like some some real mind-boggling <laughs> stuff Sirianni's got going on there. Dude, he was. I mean, look. The, I'll preface the quote. He, they were like uh, asking him, you know, they're two and five. Why do you suck, basically? You know, and he's like. You know, and, and he and I'm very like he's like, well, we just haven't seen results yet. But what I've been telling the guys is, as a matter of fact, I told them just bef- just today. I told them we're like a flower. We're like a flower, and our roots, you can't see them. Basically, you can't see the results because they're not there. But the roots, they're there. And when we bud, we're gonna stand tall and proud. And it's like, what the fuck is this nonsense? You know, it's like you're talking to an NFL team and you're equating the team to be a fucking flower that has no, 
no, not above the ground yet. Like it's all underground. Like at least say you're a fucking oak tree, motherfucker. Don't say you're a flower. We're a motherfucking oak tree or a fucking what is it, Venus flytrap? Some sort of fucking badass thing. Don't be a fucking. We're a tulip, and we're just gonna try and you know be could be the best tulip we can be. I was like, what the fuck is this shit? Meanwhile, Dan Campbell's eating fucking kneecaps. Look, if eating kneecaps doesn't beat a fucking flowering tulip this week, then I am done with fucking football forever. All right, let's go. Bloody kneecaps versus uh, budding tulips. <laughs> this is the point of the show when people start going, wait, is this a, f- what is going on? Is this guy okay? Yeah, man, I am fine. This is going to be so much fun. I want the Detroit Lions to not only win, but I want them to like kick the shit out of this Philadelphia Eagle team. I don't even have anything against this Philadelphia Eagle team. It's just sometimes the football gods and karma, like, First of all, the Detroit Lions lost on like a 75-yard fucking field goal that hit the crossbar and went over. Like, get the fuck out of here. They're the first team to lose to two uh, 50-plus game-winning field goals in the last second. Like, geez, Louise, they just deserve some goodness. Like, Detroit's a downtrodden fucking city. Detroit, I am pulling for you this week, and especially I'm cheering against Michael P. Duncan and all these fucking Philly Santa-hating motherfuckers. They can go to hell. Detroit, are you with me? Uh, I'm, I'm with Mike, Dan, are you with me? I'm with you. I'm with you on Detroit. Motor City, you know, we're here. We're here to support you. And in a while, I have no problem with the Eagles losing. I still want Jalen Hurts to get there. <laughs> he will. It'll be the fourth quarter. It'll be like it'll be like 35 to 3. Yeah, it'll be like 35 to 3. You know, DeAndre Swift will have four receiving touchdowns and and then Hertz will just scramble for 30 yards a pop against prevent defense and throw a touchdown to like a backup tight end. Save the day. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. I'm telling you. Save the day. Speaking of saving the day, man, you're saving the day because you joined me here today. And I, I'm so happy you did. Um, you know, I, I think I gave you a pretty good intro, but um, tell all the people where the fuck you're at so they can go check you out because I'm sure they want to. Yeah, no, absolutely. You can check me out as soon as tomorrow night at 9 o'clock. SODFS will be breaking down the main sleep for this Sunday on DraftKings. So make sure you do check us out. Come and uh, give us a follow. Check us out, Apple Podcasts, SODFS. Give us a rate and review. We will be giving out an SODFS t-shirt, compliments of our friends over there at Viridian Global. Um, you know, also partnered up with Manscaped. So, uh, you know, we got we got big things coming out this way. But do uh, do feel free to hit me up on Twitter, uh, whether it's DFS or Dynasty related, and you can find me there at Dan Brown NFL. Um, and other than that, I will just be maintaining my Dynasty leagues, pumping out DFS content for the guys over there at True North Fantasy Football and Sons of Dynasty. Um, you know, but, you know, having the opportunity to come on here with you, Jax, is, it, you know, I, I alluded to it back when we first scheduled it. Uh, I've, I've been waiting for this one for a while. So for us to get it in the bag and, you know, just the chemistry was just on point that I, I, I'm going to go ahead and schedule a future episode here coming down the line. Done. I, you know, you know, it's a long time coming. It's funny because like you're a friend and you got your thing going. We support each other. We're in the, you know, in group chats. Like we're just, you know, we're texting each other. Like we're friends and it's like, wait, why haven't you been on my fucking show? You know? So I, I, I'm so grateful that, you know, you felt that way when I reached out and, 
you know, yeah, man, it's just awesome. All heart, all love. You know, I love True North, you know, all the boys there. I mean, I've had Trav on a couple times. He's awesome. I got to get Ty on. You know, me and Ty just fucking trying to get a word in edgewise the entire time would be quite an episode. Uh, I love that dude. But, you know, I love True North, love Sons, the Sons of Dynasty. What a great name. You should probably listen to that show and get that damn free T-shirt because I'm telling you, they do fucking – they are the 1.01 of fantasy football T-shirts. That fucking – that shit's true. You guys are awesome. So you're my brother. I love you. Thank you so much for coming on. You're a football guy. He eats, breathes, lives it. You know, 25 Dynasty Leagues. DFS grinder, you know, has his, has his own uh, website, helped found the undroppables. I mean, just an absolute stud, great dude. Follow him on dynasty Twitter because he's awesome. Can't say enough about Dan Brown. Thank you so much for coming on. And on behalf of everybody at the undroppables on behalf of everybody here at the undrafted on behalf of the absent, but still crying Philadelphia Eagle fan, Michael P Duncan, the best producer in the land. On behalf of Dan Brown, I am Jax Falcone. We are out. Hey, hey, hey.